wow, I'm prejudiced, but that guy is my favorite male singer, and that girl there is my favorite female singer. Wow. I love to hear them both sing. And I love to get to travel all over the world telling people about Jesus with her. And I hope God will maybe call some of you to come along with us sometime. Uh, we were supposed to be here last week, but we couldn't even get out. And thank you, Dr. Patterson, for changing dates. That reminds me, when I was in seminary one time, they called me and said, David, you played football at Rice, and there's a crusade in our town, and we want you to come, and uh, Roger Staubach was supposed to do the youth rally ahead, so we want you to sub for him. So I showed up, and they booed me. So thank you for uh, switching with me, and thank you for not booing me. That night, about 100 people gave their lives to Christ, and so God took over anyway, and he's got a good way of doing that. I'm here today because a, my, I had a praying mother who brought me to church all the time. I joined the church when I was eight because so did my older brother, who's a West Point graduate. But I didn't repent. I didn't give my life to Christ. I was lost. I was a rebel. My dad was a high school principal, but I was always in trouble. And my coach, my high school coach said, David, you can play at LSU. You can play anywhere in the country. All the coaches want you. But because of your bad attitude, unless your life is changed, you're going to be destroyed. And he said, God can change your life. And he got me to go to a Fellowship of Christian Athletes conference. I saw Coach Tom Landry get up and give his testimony and some of the greatest athletes in the world. I went home and I heard a Southern Baptist evangelist stand and preach at a citywide crusade that the pastors in town gathered people in my hometown of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, that night, I realized that I was lost and going to hell. I had sinned against a holy God. And I realized that when Jesus suffered and bled and died on the cross, that it was for me. And that night, I went home and I cried out to God and I said, Lord, I'm lost. I need Jesus. Lord God, please come in. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me. Save me. Change me. And do you know God did exactly what he said he would do? Jesus came in and he changed my life. That year I had scholarship offers from all over and I felt led of the Lord to go to Rice University. And the first week I was there, I was in the engineering school and the Holy Spirit told me to prepare for ministry. So I began to take Greek and Hebrew and and classes more in the social parts rather than the engineering. I played against the University of Texas and against LSU. The end of the third quarter, I put my man on his back in the end zone. Our running back ran right over me and it tied the game 14-14 against the University of Texas and that year they won the national championship. Towards the end of the game, we had the ball against the Texas A&M Aggies. We were ahead by two points. We were trying to hold on to the ball. 
I blocked my man. The receiver caught the ball, but he fumbled. I dove in like a bowling ball, knocked a bunch of the Aggies off, grabbed the ball, and they put that play in the, a, a film called The Legends of the Southwest Conference. Now, are there any Longhorns here? All right. Are there any Aggies here that are backslidden? Well, see, that's our problem. Today, I want to tell you a little bit about the compassion of Jesus. He loves us so much. Most of you know the passage in Matthew 9, 36 to 38. And in Matthew chapter 8 and 9, we see 10 separate events in the life of Christ, where in each case, he knew exactly how to minister to the people, the groups or individuals with whom he came in contact. And today, I'll tell you, whatever your need is, whatever your problem is, God knows exactly how to minister to your need. Then the scripture says in verse Matthew 9, 35, that Jesus went around summing up, that he went around teaching in the synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. God is still doing those three things today. Then in Matthew 9, 36 to 38, the scripture says, when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Notice he was moved with compassion on them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then Jesus says to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. There's a great harvest, but there are not many workers. Then he said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out laborers to the harvest. My prayer today is that God will touch you and call you and you will hear and respond and be a laborer into the harvest. My prayer is that we'll all pray for each other and for ourselves, for God to send us as laborers into the harvest. I want us to look, first of all, number one, at the passion of Jesus. When Jesus saw people, he was moved with compassion. It wasn't just a feeling. He did something about it. That Greek word, splanknon, was used by those peoples of that day to show a great mercy, a compassion, a love that moved and did something. I'm so glad Jesus didn't just feel love, but he went all the way to the cross and suffered and bled and died and was buried and rose again for me. Do you know that Jesus loves you? There are some of you in here today who have been discouraged, who have been knocked down, who are in so much trouble. 
But I tell you today, God loves you. He cares about you. He has not forgotten your name. He has not forgotten your address. He knows who you are, where you are, and he loves you. And he cares about every detail of your life. God loves you. And if you ever doubt it, look to the cross. See the blood. See the crown of thorns. Jesus loves you today. And he loves everybody. God loves people more than anything. Today, do you know that God loves you? And do you know that he loves your family? Do you know that he loves your friends? Do you know that he loves your neighbor? Do you know that God so loved the world that he gave his only son? God loves people. Then there's a plentiful harvest. Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful but the laborers are few. Do you know that there is a great harvest today? Do you know and understand that there are about 7 billion people today on this planet? And do you know that most of them have never had anyone share the simple good news of Christ with them? People need Jesus all over this world. And God is calling some of you to go to this place, that place, to be part of this ministry and that ministry. And if you will love Jesus and you will serve him with all your heart, he is the great shepherd. He will show you exactly what he wants you to do. Our missiologists are telling us we're having the greatest harvest in this generation more in this generation than in the prior, basically 2,000 years of the church. In just our little ministry, for years we saw 20,000 people or so come to Christ here in this nation. In the last 20 plus years, we've been going primarily internationally and we're seeing about 100,000 people come to Christ and we are training and equipping and discipling and helping evangelists in different nations through our NEST, NEST, which stands for National Evangelist Support Team. And those men are reaching about 2 million people a year with the gospel. I'm telling you, God is bringing in a harvest. We have Southern Baptist missionaries and people from other groups who are evangelizing in nations all over. Some of the evangelists that are part of our team, several of them come from Muslim backgrounds, but Jesus Christ showed himself real to them and someone presented the gospel to them. They gave their lives to Christ and now they're powerful evangelists. The scripture tells us in a four, Ephesians 4.11 because God gives a present of people with gifts to his body. All of you have different gifts and different callings and different talents. If you sing like I do, you don't want to be a singer. 
you sing like this guy and you sing like Amy, then maybe you might be a singer. Ephesians 4.11 says that God himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some evangelists, some as pastors and teachers so that we can take and train people to win them and train them so that they do the work of ministry. And God takes and uses all of us with our different gifts so that we can help and train the body of Christ so that the body of Christ can do the ministry. And I'll tell you, if you're a pastor and you're trying to do all the work yourself and you're not training and equipping and growing up and discipling others so that they can do the work of the ministry, you're going to burn yourself out. But you can train and equip with the gifts that God has given you. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5, God says, but be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Everybody is not an evangelist, but everybody is to do the work of an evangelist. When I came here to Southwestern Seminary, had me take advanced placement exams in Greek and Hebrew. Dr. Drumright told me I was the first and only person ever to pass those tests. And I began taking the Greek and the Hebrew in the, at the doctoral level. I tell you, when you look at a passage like this, it's so clear. This is a commandment. It is the imperative God tells you to do the work of an evangelist. Now, I want to know something. Are you going to be the follower of Jesus and of the word of God? Everybody is not an evangelist. Everybody's not a pastor. I'm not a pastor, but when I travel, I do the work of teaching sometimes. Because part of the work of an evangelist is teaching and training and helping others to grow so they can reach others. And I'll tell you, if you're involved in a discipleship ministry that doesn't include teaching people how to win others to Christ, then all you're doing is you're learning how to inspect your own belly button. I thank God for people like my friend Billy Hanks, who's done discipleship ministry where they teach people how to help others come to know Christ. Did you know that the word elangalion is in the Greek more than 70 times in the New Testament? Did you know that to evangelize, the work elangalizo, to evangelize 54 times? This is not uncommon. And if you've been reading some books by some Presbyterians that tell you don't evangelize, then my friend, I'm sorry, you need to get out the word of God and you need to study the word of God and see what God has to say about that. Because God tells us all to do the work of an evangelist. We all need to be doing our part in helping others come to know Jesus. In Matthew 28, 18, 19, and 20, we call that the Great Commission. 
Jesus says, all power, all authority, the word is exousia, out of God's very being, his authority. Jesus said, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth, therefore you go. And as you go, he assumes you're going to go. Win people, train people, teach the people from all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. We're to do what God tells us to do, not just hear it. Because if you are a hearer of the word, not a doer of the word, you're fooling yourself. And Jesus says, behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Do you understand that as you go, Jesus is going to be there with you? I never go anywhere by myself. There's some places we go that are so dangerous, I'll take, I won't take Amy. Now, my son, who graduated with honors in physics, and he began going on our mission trips, and now he's full-time as an evangelist with our ministry. He and I go some places, we won't take Amy. If we brought you with us, we'd make sure we were in some places where it was really safe. My son got arrested in Africa by people who hate the gospel for preaching the gospel. But do you know God got him out of that situation? But you know what? He just keeps on going. Why? Because people are lost and dying and on their way to hell. And we must go. But some of you say, I can't. I can't do that. You're right. You can't. But in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, this is the last thing Jesus said before he ascended into heaven. He spoke these words and then all of a sudden, up he went. That's not an accident. It's on purpose. In Acts 1.8, Jesus said, you, are you listening? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Jesus will give you power. He'll make you a witness for Christ. And I want to challenge you today to cry out to God and say, Lord, whatever you need to do, whatever needs to happen in my life, whatever you need to remove out of my life, any sin, any impediment, anything that's keeping me from serving you, Lord, take it away, remove it, and fill me up with the Holy Spirit anew and afresh. And Lord, give me power. Give me that anointing. Lord, show me where to go, when to go. And Lord, give me an opportunity soon to tell somebody how good it is to know Jesus. In Luke 19, 10, we look at Jesus' purpose. He said, I've come to seek and save the lost. If that's his purpose, it needs to be your purpose. And if it's not, there's something wrong. Today, I want to ask you, not do you understand everything about theology and not do you understand everything about the Holy Spirit, 
But do you have the Holy Spirit's power working in your life that is making you a consistent witness for Christ? Because you see, there's something wrong if you want to be a professional minister and get paid for it and it doesn't bother you that people around you are going to hell without Christ. Hello? What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news of Christ. There's bad news to the gospel. All of us have sinned against a holy God and we deserve to go to hell for our sin. But Jesus suffered and bled and died on the cross and was buried and rose again. And he calls you. He says, if you'll hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. Luke 13, 3, Jesus said, unless you repent, you'll perish. If you don't turn from your sin, I'm sorry, but you die and go to hell. God sent his son. He gave his son so that we would not perish. But Jesus said, if you don't turn from your sin, you perish. In John 10, 27, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. If you really belong to Jesus, you're going to follow him. If you claim to be a Christian and you don't want to follow Jesus, then friend, I'm telling you something is wrong. And Jesus said in Matthew 4, 19, he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And just to make sure you remember it, he said the same thing in Mark 1, 17, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. If you don't want to be helping reach people with the gospel and bringing them to Christ, then friend, something's wrong because... If you really belong to Jesus, you'll follow him. And if you follow him, he'll make you fisher of men. Friends, I want to tell you that I absolutely believe that salvation is by grace through faith in Christ alone. That our works do not save us. But I'll tell you, if you have not repented, turned from your sin, and trusted Jesus and given him your Lord, your, your life, and surrendered to him as Lord, my friend, I'm sorry, but I wonder if you really know Jesus. Spurgeon said something like, if you say that you are a Christian, you say you have faith, You say you have repented, but you have not turned away from your sin and you are not following Jesus as the Lord of your life, then that kind of faith, that kind of repentance doesn't lead to salvation, but leads to damnation. So the question is, have you really turned from your sin? Have you given him your heart? In our crusades in this country and around the world, we've many times seen Uh, pastors, we've seen staff members, deacons many times who have come and given their lives to Christ. I had a young evangelist on my staff traveling with me named Robert Morris for two years. He came to me several times and said, David, I keep wondering about and doubting my salvation. And I said, Robert, if you don't know If you have not turned from your sin and really given your heart to Christ, 
then I'm sorry, but then you're not saved. But I can't tell you that, but the Holy Spirit can. I gave him a hotel key. I said, go lock yourself in that room and don't you come out till you know for sure. And ask God, God, if I'm saved, show me and show me when I got saved. But say, God, if I've never repented and really given you my heart, Lord, show me I'm lost. And I said, if I have to bring you food, there's water in there. I said, if it takes an hour or a few hours or all night long or until tomorrow or the next day, I'll bring you food. But you stay in that room until the Holy Spirit shows you about your life. A few hours later, he knocked on the door to my hotel room. He said, David, you're not going to believe what happened. I said, I bet I will. He said, God showed me I've never really been saved. I've been trying to serve him, but I've never really trusted him. John Wesley came to America as a missionary, went back home. And as he was reading Luther's preface to the book of Romans, he said, I've gone to convert the heathens, but who, oh, who will convert me? First of all, make sure that you really know that you know that you're saved. And then find somebody else and tell them how good it is to know Jesus. And when you're preaching, whatever your text in is, as Spurgeon said, preach the text, but then head to the cross. It's amazing how many people say they're gospel preachers, but they never talk about the death, the burial, the blood of Jesus, the burial of Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection. They don't talk about sin and turning away, repenting of sin and turning to Jesus who is Lord and following him with your heart. You may feel good preaching some soft, easy gospel, but I tell you, that is not the gospel of the Bible. Yes, once saved, always saved, but that's only for people who've turned and given their hearts to Christ and have been changed by his power. And none of us can live this Christian life. I can't, you can't, but God gives us in Galatians 2.20 a path to follow. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. That is something that already happened 2,000 years ago. I was on the cross with Jesus, and if you know Jesus, so were you. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I challenge you to have a passion for souls and tell people about Jesus. If I ask most of you, to believe, do you believe the Bible is true? Most of you would say yes. If I ask you, do you believe that Jesus is coming again? Most of you would say yes. If I ask you, do you love Jesus? Most of you would say yes. If I ask you, do you really believe the Bible is true? You'd say yes. But there's something in this scripture that most of the people in most of our churches and seminaries don't really believe. Because listen, we practice what we believe. The rest is just religious talk. You hear that? We practice, we live out what we really believe. The rest is just talk. What is it that's all over the scripture? Jesus talked about it three times more than he talked about heaven. Look here. Scripture shows that one day men and women and boys and girls who do not know Jesus Maybe some of you, maybe some of your family, your friends, your neighbors, 
Those who do not know Christ, one day they will be taken and cast into the flames of fire forever and ever and ever. With no hope, without God. I want to ask you something. Does that matter to you? Is it important? Are you living your life as if people all around you are heading to the flames? Your people went and grabbed people from my city in the water because they were about to die. And I'm telling you, there's a far worse flood and judgment and fire coming. Will you tell people about Jesus? Just to bow down our heads and close our eyes. I want to pray. I want to ask how many of you say, David, I'm not bragging, I'm not boasting, but by the grace of God, I can say I've been a consistent witness for Christ. Could I see your hand just lifted up? Thank you. Isn't that a great privilege? I want to ask how many all over this place would say, David, I've not been a consistent witness for Christ, and I know I ought to be, and I want to be. Pray for me. Can I see your hand a moment? Just lift it up. All over this place, lift it up. Now, if you're serious, I want you right now to stand up and I want to pray for you. Just stand up right where you are. And I want to ask you to cry out to God and say, Lord, I've sinned. I've not been the witness you want me to be and I want to be. Here I am. God said, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Most people want to say, Lord, here I am, send somebody else. Will you say, Lord, here I am, send me. I want to ask you, I want to know, is there anybody in this place that say, David, if I died today, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Pray for me. Could I see your hand? If I died today, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Anybody else? You call out to God and ask God to show you about your salvation. There's some of you in here that had your hands up. You need to talk to me or somebody else, we'd be glad to. I want us first to just pray, and I want those who lifted their hands and said, I'm not, I don't know if I'm saved. I want you to pray this. And I want to ask everybody in this place to pray this. You must say, I'm already saved. Good, because I want you to learn how to pray this for yourself and others. Learn to pray this to help others. I want you to pray and, and ask God to save you. Pray this right now. Dear God, I've sinned against you. I deserve to go to hell. I'm sorry for my sin. I believe in Jesus. He suffered. He shed his blood. He died on the cross for me. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me. Save me. I turn from my sin and I give you my life. You're my Lord. With all my heart, I want to follow you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming into my heart. Now listen, all over this place, most of you stood to say, I want to be a witness. Would you pray this right now out loud with me? Just pray it. Lord God. Just pray it out loud. Lord God, I want to be a witness. I want to love you and serve you. 
Thank you for bringing me to this place so I can learn to be a better witness. Lord, I've sinned and I'm sorry. Forgive me. If you've got any other sin in your life, tell God about it right now. Say, thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Pray this, Lord, make me a witness. I give you my life. I commit myself to go where you want me to go, to be what you want me to be. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill me up, fire me up, send me out. Give me an opportunity soon to tell somebody how good you are. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you.